This is a free download from Delancey Eden Church. We meet every Sunday morning at 10.30am in the Delancey Eden Church building at the Bank St. Sampson's in the Channel Island of Guernsey. To contact us or find out more information about us, please visit our website at delancey.eden.co.uk. Life, Charlie Brown, is like a deck chair, said Lucy. Like a what? asked Charlie Brown. Have you ever been on a cruise ship? said Lucy. Passengers open up these canvas deck chairs so they can sit in the sun. Some people face their chairs facing the rear of the ship so they can see where they've been. Other people face their chairs forward. They want to see where they're going. On the cruise ship of life, Charlie Brown, which way is your deck chair facing? Charlie Brown sighs. I've never been able to get mine unfolded. (laughs) I wonder how many of us can sympathise with poor Charlie Brown. On the cruise ship of life, where is our deck chair facing? Life seems perhaps to be passing us by quickly and everyone else has positioned their deck chair or his or her purpose of life And we're still scrambling around just trying to unfold the blooming thing. Wandering perhaps aimlessly at times, looking for the next big thing or the one chance in our life that would perhaps make a difference. Maybe frustrated to be waiting for what doesn't seem to be coming. Life can at times feel a little ordinary or a little insignificant. Now, we know with our heads that's not the case. But however, that can feel like the situation. Those thoughts can come to us. And I'm really hoping and praying that 2009, this year, for all of us, individually but corporately as well, will be a year. (laughs) I was just throwing that in, okay? Just to see if you're listening, because sometimes I do see a glazed look over your faces so it was just a test (laughs) I'm hoping and praying that 2019 (laughs) so Mike when you're um, editing this could you just edit that out please (laughs) can I just say that I don't know whether I've told you this but Mike and John seem to be collecting bloopers that I make at the front storing them up so that they can replay them all one day thanks 2019 for us individually and corporately will be a year moving from the place perhaps sometimes which we think is insignificant, the place sometimes that we think is obscure to a place of real significance. And so for the next four weeks we're going to be looking at a beautiful story in the Bible that reflects this idea, a story of God's great providence of God's care and God's guidance. And that's really fitted in with what people have been saying today. A story of the interplay between God's purpose and God's will and our human decision and our human will. God weaving together this idea of human faithfulness and obedience to bring about his redemption. It's a story you'll be familiar with. A story of a young woman who goes from a life of pretty much 
being obscure, not known to a life of great significance. A story that celebrates God's work in the everyday ordinariness of life. She was a woman who had a fierce loyalty. She was a woman of great devotion. And she displays an obedience that comes from faith. And it is, of course, the story of Ruth. It's only four chapters long. And so each week we're going to look at a different chapter. So if you've got your Bibles, you can turn to Ruth for me. And we're going to look at chapter one. And I don't know what you know about Ruth, but she was a Moabite woman and she married an Israelite. And uh, the Israelite that she married was the son of a woman called Naomi. And the family, Naomi and Elimelech, had moved to Moab from Israel. Um, there'd been a famine in Bethlehem, and so they moved across to Moab. But what we need to know is this, that Moab um, was the enemy. Moab really is spoken about as a wicked people, a people that God would judge because of the sins against Israel. And so they'd moved from Bethlehem to the place where God had chosen for them, to Moab, which actually probably wasn't right for them, but we'll come back to that in a moment. And the first time that Ruth is mentioned is as a woman of Moab, an outsider, a stranger to the kingdom of God. But the last time that we read about Ruth in the Bible is in Matthew chapter 1 verse 5 and it says this, Boaz, the father of Obed, whose mother was Ruth, Obed the father of Jesse and Jesse the father of King David and we know that Jesus Christ came from the line of David. So she's honoured by being in the genealogy of Christ. So this, this young woman, this Moabite woman, moves from this place of obscurity to this great place of significance of being in the line of Jesus Christ. And I think God wants us to know that we can also have a journey like that, that we are unique in his sight, that he has a plan for us and a unique mission for us. He's calling us all to be everything that we can be in him, not to be the person sat next to us or the person that we might hold up as a role model for our lives. No, he just wants us to be us. He's created you as you and you are unique and he has a unique plan and purpose for your life. Sometimes we can look at everybody else and we can get disheartened but God is saying look I've got a plan for you and every one of us can move like Ruth from this place where we were to this place where we really want to be in God how can we this year move into everything that God has got for us and how can we see God's providence outplayed in our lives let's have a look at this story I am going to read it to you chapter 1 it's long but it's not that long so stick with me Ruth chapter 1 in the days when the judges ruled there was a famine in the land and a man of Bethlehem in Judah went to sojourn in the country of Moab he and his wife and his two sons the name of the man was Elimelech and the name of his wife Naomi and the names of their two sons were Marlon and Chilion they were Ephraites from Bethlehem in Judah they went into the country of Moab and remained there But Elimelech, the husband of Naomi, died and she was left with her two sons. These took Moabite wives. The name of the one was Orpah and the name of the other, Ruth. They lived there about ten years and both Marlon and Chilion died so that the woman was left without her two sons and her husband. Then she arose with her daughters-in-law 
to return from the country of Moab, for she had heard in the fields of Moab that the Lord had visited his people and given them food. So she set out from that place where she was with her two daughters-in-law, and they went on their way to return to the land of Judah. But Naomi said to her two daughters-in-law, Go, return each of you to her mother's house. May the Lord deal kindly with you as you have dealt with the dead and with me. The Lord grant that you may find rest, each of you, in the house of her husband. Then she kissed them, and they lifted up their voices and wept. And they said to her, No, we will return with you to your people. But Naomi said, Turn back, my daughters. Why will you go with me? Have I yet sons in my womb that they may become your husbands? Turn back, my daughters. Go your way, for I am too old to have a husband. If I should say I have hope, even if I should have a husband this night and should bear sons, would you therefore wait till they were grown? Would you therefore refrain from marrying? No, my daughters, for it is exceedingly bitter to me for your sake that the hand of the Lord has gone out against me. Then they lifted up their voices and wept again. And Orpah kissed her mother-in-law, but Ruth clung to her. And she said, See, your sister-in-law has gone back to her people and to her gods. Return after your sister-in-law. But Ruth said, Do not urge me to leave you or return from following you. For where you go, I will go. And where you lodge, I will lodge. Your people shall be my people and your God, my God. Where you die, I will die. And there I will be buried. May the Lord do so to me and more also, if anything but death parts me from you. And when Naomi saw that she was determined to go with her, she said no more. So the two of them went on until they came to Bethlehem. And when they came to Bethlehem, the whole town was stirred because of them. And the woman said, Is this Naomi? She said to them, Do not call me Naomi. Call me Mara, for the Almighty has dealt very bitterly with me. I went away full and the Lord has brought me back empty. Why call me Naomi when the Lord has testified against me and the Almighty has brought calamity upon me? So Naomi returned and Ruth, the Moabite, her daughter-in-law with her, who returned from the country of Moab, and they came to Bethlehem at the beginning of barley harvest. Excellent. Good, isn't it? It's a great story, this. So how do we become everything that we can become in Christ? How do we move into all the things that God has got for us and allow God's providence to work in our lives? Well, firstly, I think we have to do this. I think we have to ask a simple question, which is, where am I? Have you ever been lost? Yeah? Ever gotten lost? I've gotten lost quite a few times in different situations. I remember when I moved to the UK, I don't know if I've told you this before, I moved to the UK and I thought I would be an independent woman and uh, venture out on my own and decided to beetle up the motorway in my car. And it wasn't long till I started looking at all the signs and realising I had not a Scoobies where I was going um, at all. And when you are just 21 and you come from Guernsey driving on a motorway is quite scary okay so there I was driving along thinking I've got no idea where I'm going and then I hit the biggest roundabout that I have ever seen in my life like it was massive and I recall driving around the roundabout I think I went through some red lights I think because I didn't know what I was doing driving around the roundabout physically screaming the whole way around okay I actually did till I made the loop and came back and drove drove down the the same motorway thinking well if I've come from there I'll find my way back somehow I've done it in Guernsey as well I've been lost in Guernsey those lanes you know in those parishes over there I've been lost in the lanes I remember driving down the lane thinking where am I they all look the same and then I took a left turn and I was in a field 
And, you know, like you do, definitely didn't know where I was. But you know what? The problem is, is when you don't know where you are, trouble can happen, can't it? I got into a bit of difficulty not knowing where I was. And although this can be the case physically, if we don't know where we are, we can be in trouble if we're lost. I think sometimes in our life as well, in the situations that we are, just in our life's journey, sometimes maybe we just have to press the pause button and assess where we are. Take an honest look so that we can move forward, so that we can progress, so that we can go into all the things that God has for us. Perhaps we just have to pause and say, okay, well, where am I now in my journey with God? What does it look like right now? Is it what I want it to be? Or am I distant from God? Am I not in the the right place? We have to be honest. There's no point lying to ourselves, thinking we're all this in God when actually we're probably not. We're in a different place. I used to say this to my students at school when I was teaching that I used to say to them, look, there isn't absolutely no point you cheating, okay? If you're doing a test or you're doing a mock exam, don't cheat. There's no point in you cheating because if you get an A grade and you're actually on an E grade and I think you're on an A grade, how on earth am I going to help you get actually an A grade in your real exams if you're on an E? Okay, I need to know where you are. I need to know exactly where you are so I can put into place exactly what needs doing to get you where you want. Now, in the real exams, of course, <laughs> if you cheat and come out with an A, that wouldn't matter, would it? But anyway, so, but it would, obviously, because ethically it's wrong, but, you know. Um, but in the practice stuff, I had to know as a teacher where they were because if I didn't know where they were, I couldn't get them to where they wanted to be. And sometimes we've just got to say, look, God, I'm here, but I want to be there. But what am I going to do to get there? And Naomi had, and her two daughters-in-laws find themselves in this tough place. It was a difficult time in the, in, in the nation as well. It was the time of the judges. And um, the nation was disunited. Religious moral values were on decline. So they were in a difficult time anyway. And Naomi finds herself in Moab. It's a place that really eliminates her husband should never have taken them to. It was the wrong choice for them. Elimelech's name means my God is king, but actually in this decision that he made, God really probably wasn't king of his life. I think that he made the decision without consultation too much with God the king, and his decision, admirable, because he wanted to provide for his family, but it was based on what he saw. It was based on the physical reality of the situation. There was a famine in Bethlehem, so they were going to move so he could provide for his family. But it was at the expense of losing the blessing of God. And so that decision took them to Moab. And that meant that his sons married Moabite women. It really is a symbolic idea of, of this family abandoning God and abandoning the land and abandoning the people for the enemy. He could have chosen, Elimelech could have chosen to walk by faith and to claim the promises of God and to obey God's word. But he decided instead to look at the reality of the situation and make his choice and decision based on that. And sometimes we can be like that too. And in spite of what we see and how we feel or what may happen, God is looking for us to be a people who live by faith and not by sight. A people that know what it is to trust in him for all things, even though the immediate situation that we're in might not look great. 
If only Elimelech had woken up at some point and said, look, we're here, but really we should be back there. And it's wise for us sometimes to ask ourselves, where are we? Where are we going? Is where we are now where we should be in God? Is where we are now going to get us to where we want to be? Because if not, we may have to make a move. We may have to turn around. We might have to know that God is king again in our lives. But we need to know this, that God is God over the mishaps, he's God over lost time, he's God over my bad decisions and he will lead us back to the place where he wants us to be. So many times I've made the wrong decision. So many times I've made the wrong choice, had the wrong feeling, the wrong attitude. But thank the Lord that he is God over those things and his providence works over those things and he can lead me back to the place he wants me to be. And so Naomi and Ruth are in this situation and she's left without her husband, she's left without her sons, there's no heir to carry on, and no, nobody there to have the inheritance. Naomi would need wisdom to determine that actually where she was right then and there wasn't the best for her life and she was going to need to do something about it. She was going to have to make a move. And she had to return to the place where she'd come from. She had to return back to Bethlehem. And she thought, she saw this as punishment. Because when you read in verse 13, it says that the hand of the Lord has gone out against me. That's what she was saying. But actually, what we discover when we read on um, was that God had a plan of amazing restoration for Naomi and for Ruth as well. I wonder whether we can look at that situation and think about it for our own lives as well. Do we need discernment? Do we need to turn back to where we once were, to go back to a place in God where we knew that's where he wanted us where are we now at the start of 2019 <laughs> I do know what year we're in if in the start of this year are we where we should be in God God leads Naomi and Ruth back to Bethlehem And although times were tough, God brings Naomi back to this place of restoration and this beautiful story emerges from this. It doesn't matter where we are. It doesn't matter how tough things have become. We are part of a beautiful story in God. Sometimes as Christians we think everyone else has their deck chair open on the cruise ship of life. Everybody else is enjoying the view. And we're afraid to say we can't even open our tech chair up. Everyone else looks like they've got it all together. It doesn't matter about everyone else's journey. What matters is your journey, your personal journey with God. It's about you and God. And God wants you in the right position. God wants each of us to be in the right place so that he can show us everything that he wants to show us. So that we can embrace everything that God has for us. And Naomi heard that the Lord had visited his people back in Judah and she knew she needed to go back. She needed to make a move. And the NIV says in verse 6 that she prepared to return home. She knew she was in a place where she shouldn't be. She'd got to Moab. It was made a bad decision, a bad choice. There she was. No husband, no sons. And she knew she had to return. And I want to ask the question of myself, where am I in God and do I need to go back to where I once was in God was I closer to God in the past than I am now have I made decisions that aren't right do I need to move do I need to make a move I 
think we need to sometimes ask the question, where are we? And if we can't even open our deck chair, it's okay. All right? It's okay. Secondly, I think this. If we've determined where we are, then we need to make a move to get to that next place. And moving forward in God could mean that we have to return. I don't know about you, but I love going on holiday. Who doesn't love going on holiday? Everybody loves going on holiday. It's the most exciting thing, isn't it? And I love making a list of all the things I need to pack for my holiday. I don't know if anyone else makes lists. I make lists right from, like, everything, what I'm going to take. And try and cram as much as I can in my case, and so it's full. And But when I pack for my holiday, it's very different to me packing when I'm moving house. I've moved house quite a lot of times. And when you're moving house... You've got to um, pack everything up. You've got to take everything, don't you? You can't leave anything behind in your house when you're moving. And although I try to do that on my holidays, I don't actually need to do that, and I, and I can't. And when you're on your holidays, when you come back, I always get quite excited coming home. Some people don't. <laughs> I'm looking at Emily. Some people don't. Some people always want to stay on holiday. But some people, like me, kind of get excited that you're coming home, it's your own bed again, it's nice, you're coming back to, to your environment. But when you've moved house, you can't do that, can you? You can't just nip back to your old home, go through the door, sit down, make yourself comfy, have a cup of tea. No, because you've left that house. It's not yours anymore. You've got absolutely no authority in that house. You've moved on. It's your past life. And I remember not long after I moved house once before, I drove back to my old house. I don't know if you've ever done that. Probably not. Can you imagine if I'd gone back and just, you know, oh, well, I'm here now, I'll come in, I'll just have a bath and spend the night here, thanks. Be a bit weird. I wouldn't be able to do that because it was my old home, it was my old house, it wasn't mine anymore. And I sometimes think perhaps when we're trying to move forward in God and we want to become all that we can become in God, sometimes perhaps we treat it a little bit like a holiday. And actually we go into all the things and we make a move into all the things that God has for us but then actually what we do is we come back to our old way of doing things we come back to our comfort and to the way we've always done things and the things that we know and the things that are familiar and perhaps this year is the year where it's, it's time to say God no more, I'm not going to go on any more day trips with you I want to get moving on. I want to, I want to go forward with you. I don't want to go back to my old way of thinking. I don't want to go back to the old attitudes and the old things and the old habits of my life. I want to break free from those things and I want to move on in you forever and put that behind me and say I'm moving forward and I'm not going to embrace those things anymore. It can be hard to leave the familiar. It can be hard to move on. It would have been difficult for Naomi to leave but she did and verse 7 says she set out from the place she was with her two daughters-in-law and they went on their way to return to the land of Judah it's a living by faith not by sight as I said earlier trusting in God a letting go and letting God be God and I think that we can have absolute confidence that when we're in the right place when we're in the right place and we're doing the right thing we will see God move It might not be in the way that we expect, perhaps, but we will see God move. Because if we look at Naomi and Ruth, for them, the right place was the road to Judah. It was the right thing to do that they made that journey. They were on the right place, on the right road. 
in C.S. Lewis's The Magician's Nephew, there's this place, the wood between the worlds. If any of you know it. In the wood between the worlds, you can jump into pools of water and end up in a completely different place. How cool is that? You love that? Jump in a pool of water, end up in a different place. And there's a place that will take us into a whole new way of life. There's a place that will take us into a whole new world. It's not the road to Judah. It's not the wood between the worlds. It is, of course, the secret place. Matthew 6, 6 says, When you pray, go into your room, close the door, pray to your Father who is unseen, then your Father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. We can't do the right things if we're not in the right place. And the right thing is to stay in the right place, in that secret place. You know, the secret place with God is so important in our lives. If we want to be everything, if we want to see everything in God, it is the most important place to be. You know, that is why we find it the most difficult thing to do. Well, maybe it's just me. But the most difficult thing is to get into that secret place with God, that alone time when it's just you and God. And the reason why it's so hard is because that is the secret place, the thing that unlocks everything else. And so the enemy will do all that he can to stop us going. He probably doesn't mind us too much doing lots of other things and meeting here and doing this and going to that meeting. But the secret place, the alone time with God, he doesn't want us there. He doesn't want us there because it's the right place. And when we get in that right place, and we're experiencing God in the intimacy, in the secret place, that is where God can move and do amazing things. And that is why it's so difficult. That is why there's so many distractions to stop us from moving into that intimacy with God. As we reposition ourselves and we move to where we should be in God, we may, however, like Ruth, have to thirdly and finally silence the voice of discouragement. You see, we need to ask ourselves where we are and take an honest reflection. And once we've done that, we need to move and make a move to start moving towards everything that God wants us to be. But as soon as we do that, things are going to come our way to try and stop us. And Ruth really wanted to go with Naomi, but Naomi was encouraging Ruth to go home. She said, go back, uh, she said, go back, you know, look at Orpah, do the same thing. In verse 11 to 12 it says this, But Naomi said, Turn back, my daughters, why will you go with me? Have I yet sons in my womb that they may become your husbands? Turn back, my daughters, go your way, for I am too old to have a husband. It seems to me that everybody in life who achieves anything, anyone who gets to where they want to get to, battles with discouragement at times that will come their way it's like it's part of the journey it's just part of the path as we move into the destiny that God has for us it's kind of like it's going to come it's going to meet us it's going to face us and when it does we need to know what to do we need to know how we can deal with that how are we going to silence that you see Ruth wasn't having any of it she said in verse 14 they lifted up their voices and wept again and all kissed their mother-in-law um, kissed her mother-in-law but Ruth clung to her she clung to Naomi. And sometimes to overcome that, that voice of, of discouragement, we have to cling to our dream and let go of our reality. Cling to 
where we want to be in God. Let that be the thing that we cling to and not the actual reality of what we're in and the situation that we're in. See, Ruth clung to Naomi, and I want us to think of it like this, that Naomi was her dream. Naomi was the thing that she was clinging to. Naomi was her destiny. So instead of looking at her situation and the reality and and clinging to that in Moab and her parents' home and and everything that was there, instead she clung to Naomi. Because if our realities are more important than our dreams, that's all we're going to have. Because we're told that Ruth's parents were still alive in in verse 8 and then later in chapter 2, we know that. We know that there was a there was a future for Ruth in Moab. There was a family home for her. She could stay there. But it wasn't her dream. And instead she clung on to the dream. And discouragement will attack our reality. But it can't attack our future because our future's unknown. You know, sometimes we need to let go of, of what's going on right now because what's right going on right now in our lives could be discouraging or it could be not what we want to see. And what we do is we hold on to that instead of holding on to what we want to be in God and letting that be the most important thing and walking by faith and not by sight and trusting in God. And actually what we do is we look at our reality and our situation and we cling to that and we look at the reality of that which can sometimes bring us down and sometimes discourage us, instead of putting our eyes on God and all that we want to be in God and saying, no, that is what I'm clinging to. That is my dream. That is where I'm going. I'm not staying here. I'm not staying put in this reality. It might be the reality right now, but I'm going to cling to my dream. And I'm going to let that lead me and I'm going to let that guide me and I'm going to let that be the overarching thing that helps me to make decisions and choices. And I'm not going to make my choices and decisions based on what I see right now because what I see right now might not be all that I want to be in God. And so this is what Ruth was doing. She says, I'm not going to be in this situation. Naomi, let me cling to you because you are my dream and you are my destiny and you're going to take me forward into all the things that I want to see even though she didn't know what her future held. It's important to note this, that the dream that she was holding to, the Naomi that she was holding to, it was value-led. It was value-led. As if you see it like this, that Naomi was like her value. Because if our dreams consist of just goals and plans for a bigger house and a better car and more popularity or a career or a better ministry or a bigger church or whatever it is, whatever our goal or any idea is, if it's that, then we can get discouraged when we don't see what we want to see. Our dream and our destiny has to be value-led. Because Naomi pointed out to Ruth that the future looked bleak. Said, future looks bleak. But Ruth says, don't urge me to leave you or to turn back from you. Because where you go, I'm going to go. And where you stay, I'll stay. And your people will be my people and your God, my God. Where you die, I'll die, and there I'll be buried. May the Lord deal with me, be it ever so severely, if anything but death separates you and me. That was it. That's what she was holding on to. Ruth's dream was to be with Naomi. Naomi was the most important in her life, the most important thing. It was her value. And we've got to cling on to the dream and destiny, the value that we have in God. Not things, not stuff. One of our personal values is this. Seek first his kingdom and his righteousness and all these things will be given to you as well in Matthew chapter 6. 
because values take us further than goals. Because goals will be fulfilled or goals will fade away, but values will always remain. And it's about clinging on to our values. Our values will keep us on the right road. When our dream is value-led, then the journey is exciting. And having Naomi with Ruth every day was more than anything else, any other thing goal-led life could bring her. And knowing Jesus every day, entering into that secret place, pursuing him, following him, putting Christ first, allowing him freedom to enter every area of our lives, every day with Jesus is better than the day before. Lots can get in the place. Lots can get in the way, sorry, of moving to the place that we want to get to in God. Ruth could have looked at Orpah. She could have looked at what she was doing and the choice that she made and she was going back to her parents' home and having a life there. But Ruth was determined. She wasn't going to let that stop her. She wasn't going to give up. And verse 16 that I just read to you before is one of the most classic statements of real faithfulness and loving commitment and overall determination in the Bible that you can read. Don't urge me to leave you. I'm going where you're going. I'm determined in this. You can't, you know, shake me from this. And our determination to say, God, you know, I'm going to cling to this. However my situation is right now and wherever I am right now in God, and it might not be great, we might be struggling with our deck chair, whatever it is, but you know what? I'm not setting my sights on this. I'm setting my sights on where I want to be in God and what I want to see in God. And I'm going to cling to that because it says seek first the kingdom of God and that is going to be my value and that is going to be my overriding idea that I'm taking into this year because how can discouragement beat us when we're determined in our purpose of life in Philippians it says for me to live is Christ and to die is gain how can discouragement beat us when we're determined in our service in Joshua it says choose for yourself this day whom you will serve as for me in my household we will serve the Lord How can discouragement beat us when we're determined in who we are, in our status as a Christian? In all these things, Romans says, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. It's about a determination. Silence the voice of discouragement. Silence those things that will be a distraction. It's never too late to become determined again in all the things that God has for us. We may have experienced failure. We may have been overwhelmed with all sorts of things in life. We may have quit from all sorts of things. But today is the day when God can touch our lives again and take us to a new level in him. Because when you think it's all over, God comes in and says, I haven't even begun yet. I want to invite the worship group to come back And Ruth is this great story, and we're going to unpack it more as we go, but it's a great story of an interplay between God's purpose and will with our human decision and will. God weaving together this this human faithfulness and obedience. A story of taking someone from this place of obscurity into this place of significance. A story of saying, this person is going to become all that they can become in Christ. And I think that God wants to take each and every one of us and move us to a place where we can be all that we can possibly be in Christ. He wants us to go further. He wants us to go deeper into the things of him. 
So let us today be honest. Let us today say, okay, God, this is where I am in you, but this is where I want to be. And to get to where we want to be, we might have to move. We might have to shift. We might have to do something different. We might have to get to that place, that right place, that secret place where we find that intimacy with God. Because it's not about the stage of our lives, is it? It's not about the platform that everyone sees. Everyone sees the outer me. But that's not it. It's what happens behind the scenes of my life that's important. What happens when I'm alone that's important. It's what happens in the secret place that is important. And let us come to God in these final moments and say, God, this is where I am, but this is where I want to be. And I trust you that you can lead me back. Because it's never over with God. He's always ready to begin again. And let's look at what we're aiming for. Let's look at our dream and let's look at our destiny. Is it value-led? Seek first the kingdom of God. Let us be determined to try and silence the voice of discouragement, silence whatever's going on, the distractions, and say, I'm going to be determined in this to move this year into everything that God has for me. Shall we stand together? I'm just going to sing a final song. And whilst we sing the song, we'll take up the offering as well. As an act of our worship, as an act of our submission to God. But Father God, today, we thank you for how you've been speaking to us. Through right from the beginning of the service, through everything that we've been doing, you've been speaking to our hearts and I know you want us to know that you're here and you're with us and you're for us and that we can put our trust in you. And Lord, sometimes on the Christian journey of life we can feel a bit all over the place. We can feel like everyone else has it together but not us. Sometimes we feel like we're disconnected or we've let you down or whatever it is Lord whatever's going through our minds we can feel like we're not in the right place or we can be today standing in a place in our relationship with you that actually it's not right we've distanced ourselves from you we're not the the person we once were maybe we've made a bad decision maybe we made a wrong choice maybe it's taken us off the path that we should have been on maybe we've ended up in Moab when we should have been in Bethlehem And now we're here and we're struggling. But Lord, today is the new day. And today, God, you want to start again in our lives. And I thank you for that. And God, we're honest. We're coming as we are today in front of you and saying, look, God, this is my life. This is where I'm at. But God, I want to be in a different place. I want to cling to the dream. I want to cling to you. I want to cling to that vision of what I see and what I can be in you and experience in you. That's what I'm going to hold on to. That's what's going to dictate my life. That's where I'm going. Not where I am right now. Right now, where I am is not going to determine everything about my life and my future. But I'm seeing a new thing in you. God wants to birth new things in you. 
God wants to do new things in your life. He's got great things ahead. God is a God of surprise and I believe that God is going to surprise many of us this year by what he's going to do through you. You might think, how can God use me? Well, God wants to use you. God wants to use you. And maybe we need to get ourselves ready for God to surprise us with great things. It might not be as we expect. But I pray, God, that you would help us move into the right place, the secret place, that place where we know you so intimately. And all the struggles and all the distractions that come our way to stop us getting to that place, God, I pray that you would break those things. Because, God, we know that when we're with you, it's the best thing that we can do. It's the best place we can be. God, for each and every person here today, I pray that this year will be a year where they see you with new eyes and that you would enlarge enlarge our vision and our dream. God, take us to where you want us to be. Help us to be everything that we can possibly be in you. God, it's such an exciting journey, this Christian life. Here we are, Lord. Here we are waiting. Will you abide in us? Thank you, Lord. Amen. Thank you for listening to this free download from Delancey Elam Church. For more downloads or to contact us, please visit our website at delanceyelam.co.uk. 